I'm the woman. I'm the woman. I'm the woman. I'm the woman. Before this episode starts, I want to let you know that there's a frank discussion of racial and gender discrimination and mental health issues, including the details of medication. There's also some explicit language. I want to let you know that there's a frank discussion of racial and gender discrimination and mental health issues, including the details of medication. メンタルヘルス問題について話している箇所がありますまた露骨な表現もあります My name is Grace and I've been living in Japan for ooh, almost six years now Every time I say that I'm always like oh my god six years I swear it feels like it's been like one maybe two years and I feel like oh I'm so fresh in Japan I'm like oh my god six years that's like Longer than university and high school combined, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a long time I've been in Japan, it feels like now.、Um, and yeah, that's sort of I'm a teacher here, and I do a bit of voiceover work as well. That's what I do in Japan.、Um, so, really, I'm very interested in women's rights and things that affect women. It's strange because I never thought so much about it when I lived in the UK. I'm from the UK, by the way, that's probably. You can probably tell by my accent, anyone listening. I'm a very British, British sounding woman. And、um, when I got to Japan, I sort of realized how unequal everything was here. And it really sort of surprised me. And when I first came here, I didn't realize it so much. And then it was a sort of slow build up of when I started to get into relationships with Japanese men or sort of. Enter society a bit more naturally because I wasn't so fresh off the boat anymore. That I sort of realized, oh, hold on, not everything is great for women here. This is not quite what I thought Japan was like because it's, you know, it's a first world country, you know, it's got one of the top economic structures in the world. And then I was like, oh, but women aren't really regarded very well here. So when you sent me the website, I was like, oh, this is so interesting because it's got such good. Information, I sort of can understand it more. And I've been looking on Instagram for lots of different、um, sort of equal rights infographics and that kind of thing, and sort of being able to spread those and just having a place where there's information that is useful and sort of you can understand it as a Western person because a lot of the time it's all in Japanese and it's really unaccessible and very hard for people from overseas to understand the situation、That's、here. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so, actually, I've got a Pokemon Instagram account.、Mm-hmm. And、um, obviously, people really interested in the cards and the fact that I live in Japan. And they're like, wow, living in Japan must be amazing for you. That's like a dream. And I'm like, actually. And they have just no idea of what Japan is actually like. And sort of like the issues we're facing and those kinds of things. So I think people are always a little bit perturbed. Is that the word I'm looking for? They're a little bit off put when I'm saying, like, oh yeah, Japan's like 150th in the world for the equality of women. They're like, no, you're lying to me. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not lying. Like, that's, that's literally what it is. Could you tell me your 
So what was the expectation before you started living in Japan and how it changed, how you perceive the Japanese society changed? Yeah, absolutely. So when I first came, I came、um, as a teacher. So I'd been doing drama and acting back in the UK. And、um, let's be honest, wasn't going so well. <laughs> I'd like to say I had a fantastic acting career and I left it all behind for the adventure. But yeah, it wasn't going fantastically. So I was like, well, you know, it's a good time to try living in Japan. And I thought sort of teaching would be very similar to that in the UK. I'd done some teaching drama. And、uh, my mum actually worked for a school. So I was able to go into the school and sometimes teach in the school there as well. So I sort of had quite a lot of teaching background. So going into the teaching part wasn't particularly difficult for me.、Um, so that sort of element of it was very like kind of as I expected. There were a few things about the school that I was quite like, oh, they do this in Japanese schools. I wasn't really thinking that was something, for example, like Kyushoku.、Um, Is quite different, like all the kids like serving each other and cleaning up and things. Like, I'd seen that in anime, and I was like,、ah, Do they really do that though? They really do. <laughs> It's great. Yeah, so I was working in elementary school, and I was also doing kindergarten like two times a month.、Um, would never go back to kindergarten. That's like, I don't have the energy for that. I'm in my 20s, but I don't have the energy for kindergarten. The kids are crazy. And there's this sort of like, Image of Japanese children being very well behaved, and I can tell you they are not all well behaved. <laughs> I'd like to say they're all absolute angels, but that would be a lie.、Um, so, when I first came, I actually had a boyfriend back in the UK, and、um, we'd been together for about five years, so it was quite like a long, serious relationship. So, I sort of imagined myself going back after a year, and then during that time in Japan, we He, he, we realized that we really didn't. And、oh, yeah. Actually, that was the timing. Was yeah. Like, no, yeah, exactly.、Um, and so I think my expectation of Japan was that I wouldn't be staying very long. So it was kind of like a fun little one year adventure. And then my expectations changed when I met my now husband, thinking, like, oh, okay, I've got a boyfriend here. It's a pretty serious boyfriend. Like, I really like this guy. So, I think I'm going to have to start thinking about what Japan is going to be like to live here, live here. Like, not just like having a casual relationship with Japan, like Japan is potentially going to be my home.、Mm-hmm. So, I had to start thinking about sort of, well, what does that mean for me as a woman?、Uh, what does that mean about my role? So, I sort of started looking into it more and sort of. Observing relationships and observing how things are. And I was like, well, I don't particularly <laughs> like a lot of what I'm seeing. I mean, there were little things here and there, like sort of like White Day and Valentine's Day. I was like, oh, that's a bit.、Mm. Or the kids, like, I was only like sort of 23, 24 when I first came to Japan in that first year. And、um, kids would be like, are you getting married? Are you pregnant? Are you going to leave your job? And I'm like, No, none of, none of those things. I think it's really common to get that question. Or as a student, <laughs> I've, never been a stu-、uh, I've never been a teacher myself, so I can only speak from the students' experience、mm. in Japan. But I think when we encounter a new teacher, new, new teacher regardless、mm. of the gender, really,、uh, kids love asking questions like,、uh, do, you have yeah. a, do you have a 
boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? Are you married? Are you pregnant? Are, are you planning to get pregnant? Or like something which would make some people really <laughs> feel awkward, I guess. It, it really is. It's so different from the UK where like you just don't ask, well, you shouldn't really ask people like, are you planning on having getting married and having children and all of that? Um, so for me, I was a bit like, I'm like, I'm 23. I have like no plans for these things, children. But like, they really like those expectations were already like inset in them that they really like interested in your personal life. And I remember as a student in the UK, I never asked my teacher those things. Like to ask, like, how old are you? Is like, how dare you, child? How dare you ask me my age? Is like, there any like explicit rule? Do you think exists in the UK? I know some other people who have or who have been teaching at UK schools and I feel like there's more like clear boundary what is acceptable and what is not between teachers and students. Yeah I really think there is um, I mean I was never like a professional teacher in the UK I was only ever part-time coming in here and there so the sort of same rules didn't quite apply to me but I definitely do think there's I mean, even within the students, there's an unspoken rule that you don't ask your teacher those things. And if somebody did, they'd be like, all right, sir, have you got a girlfriend? Like, there'll be like that one cheeky kid in the back, like asking. And he'd be like, um, that's not very appropriate. I don't think we should be talking about those things. So they would cut that down very, very quickly. Yeah, like I'm a teacher, you're a student. I'm not your mate. I'm not here to have fun with you. But I mean, part of my job as a teacher here in Japan in my first year was to play dodgeball with the kids every lunchtime. And like, I was so... Mixed feeling, because sometimes after lunch, I just want to have a sit down. I've been teaching like three or four lessons in the morning. Like, I'm tired. I want to sit down. Like, and the kids, sweet as they are, because they're elementary school kids, then they don't really know much better. They just want your time and attention. They're like, oh, great sensei. I'll so be my job, you know with me and like that's cute and everything but like it, I don't really want to like it's a thousand degrees outside I don't want to play dodgeball Rip and love dodgeball here why do you love dodgeball so much please explain that to me no I never played dodgeball till I came to Japan yeah I've seen the movie dodgeball so that was probably my only like experience of dodgeball and I think we played it once in like secondary school I know that some people who'd stayed in the same city for a long time were very much like ugh I don't I hate this and it's hard for you to say that and change something about it yes. I guess especially when it's like you know the the board of education this is what they want you to do you feel like you can't go against I guess and yes, you, you don't know what is what what rights you've got in the first place. Exactly. I'm a Japanese person as well. Not not at school as a teacher, but mm. sometimes it's hard to know, mm, is, this my, is, my, is this my place to raise my voice or not? And especially I think that feeling is deeper when you, yeah. are, you, you are regarded, let's say, like in Japan, sadly, sometimes, like kaikokujin, mm-hmm is someone who's categorized as a different human being. Yes, no, yeah. Mm. Certainly um, for me, especially in that first year and things I didn't enjoy, I didn't know what I could 
say against things and that kind of thing. So I might like send an email to someone and it would just get really brushed away. Um, it's a really difficult thing because obviously at that stage I didn't speak any Japanese really. Um, like I have very basics like I like apples like yeah my Japanese is great I can introduce myself and tell people I like apples like that was probably the limit of it um, and you do feel like you're a little bit helpless and people sort of I know it sounds bad but people do assume you're a bit stupid if you don't speak the language and like I know I'm an intelligent person like in English I'm like I know what I'm talking about but when I try to like get that message across in Japanese, it can be so difficult. And I think people think like, I shouldn't know what she's talking about. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like really frustrating with language, especially with language like Japanese. And I kind of feel like turning around to people and saying like, yeah, you try to say that in English though. Cause they can't most of the time. Email me. I don't want to talk to anyone on the phone. Like if it's an email, like I can work my through through it. I can read it, whatever. Just like, just don't call me. I just don't want to answer the phone. <laughs> I hate the phone. I hate having a conversation on the phone because they use all this like overly polite Japanese and then I'll say like, oh, I'm really sorry. I can't really understand that. And then they, so I had this experience, not a phone call, but um, I went to a cooking class. I was, I will not name the cooking school, but very popular cooking school in Japan. <laughs> and um, so I wanted to learn to make some Japanese recipes because I can only really make a very good spaghetti bolognese and maybe other British foods. And my husband was like, oh, it'd be really nice if we... Yeah. Yeah, you, you, gotta, you gotta come over and I'll make you delicious spaghetti bolognese. It's the best thing I can make. But I wanted to try making Japanese recipes. So we signed me up at this cooking school for like six lessons. And um, the cooking school nearest closed down. So they're like, well, you can go to any of these other ones that are in the area. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll go to a different one. And this woman, like, she took one look at me and was like, oh, no, foreigner. And she's like, did you know these lessons are all in Japanese? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. At this stage, I'm speaking quite good Japanese, so it's, it's no problem for me at all. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm just not good at cooking. Um, so she explained everything. She was like, cut those onions like that. Do that thing like that. Do that thing like that. Okay, go, go, go. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I, like, what, what exactly do you want me to do with this onion? And she was like, Nihongo wakaru. Like, do you understand Japanese? And then she went, Nabe, how hashi? And she was like talking to me like I was like a baby who, and I was like, I literally just don't know how to cut this. And I said that like back in Japanese, and she, um, and it's just such an embarrassing and like shameful experience. It makes you feel so bad. This this was happening in front of other. Yeah, and so the two other people who were like having the cooking lesson with me were just trying to like ignore the whole situation and just like get on with their own chopping or whatever they had to do. And I'm there like almost in tears because I'm like, I'm not a fucking idiot. Mm -hmm. I guess these kind of awkward situations sadly often happens to people who are living in Japan have been living in Japan but looks different from most Japanese yeah. people especially sadly but yeah um, so you gradually learn as you go through the life in kind of yeah. the different perspective like trying to look in look things in the way you uh, you might have to live here in the long run yeah so 
I sort of had to start thinking about those obstacles that I was going to kind of come across. And obviously language we just talked about being one of them. Um, me being a foreigner, being a huge part of it, um, sort of joining a, a Japanese family as well that's quite traditional. Um, there's that element of like, you know, I'm an outside element coming into a very conservative traditional family and like, am I going to be able to adapt to those conservative ideas? Especially when... I'm a very modern woman. I've always been like, I'm a self-independent woman, don't need no man, I can do my own thing. Like, even in the UK, I was like, you know what, I'm I'm living my best woman life. I don't really need men or people to help me. And then suddenly, sort of getting this like, well, you're going to cook every night, aren't you? And being like, no. <laughs> not not from my boyfriend, because he's very, well, husband now, he's very, very, um, like, modern as well. Um, but, you know, hearing it from other people was being like, even the English teacher at one of my schools said to me, like, well, aren't you really busy now doing all the washing and cleaning for your husband? And I and I was like, no, I didn't do that before. I'm not going to start doing that now. Can, can you give me more context? Yeah, so um, we were just talking and um, I'd got married, like, I think it had been a month before. And... Um, and she was just sort of like, she was about 50 years old and never been married. So I don't know if she had a sort of image in her mind of what being a wife is like. And I was saying like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come out to the drinking party tonight. I'm a bit busy. And she was like, oh, yeah, you must be so busy now you're married. You know, you do all the washing and the cleaning and having to look after your husband. I'm like, he's not a baby. He doesn't need looking after. Maybe my understanding is so given that context maybe she was trying to be compassionate or trying yeah. to be empathetic for you yeah no she was a sweet lady and I, I could tell that sort of like where she was coming from but it's it was sort of that was in her mind that was the expectation of why I was busy was because I was housewifing and I'm like no I've got social life sorry I've already booked to meet friends but did you give that feedback to her um <laughs> I, I did say like, oh, no, me and my husband, we're very um, like he cooks on one night and I'll cook on the next night and we share the cleaning. And she was like, oh, really? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. I especially think that in Japan, it's a sort of strange thing where sort of it's going to sound a bit weird. I don't know. But like, I feel like a woman's role is culturally ingrained in Japan. So when I say maybe to my coworker or something like, oh, um, you know, I made my husband dinner and she's like, oh, you're like, you're a good like Japanese housewife. And like the idea that is, this is a Japanese woman's role is so ingrained in the culture that it's hard to move forward and think of, think outside that box because people consider it a part of the culture, like that omotenashi culture is so on omotenashi for those who don't speak Japanese is um, uh, like um, a welcoming kind of welcoming it's like you know yes. um, so <laughs> as I said previously my um, husband's family is very conservative um, and um, I went to his grandmother's house and it was like why aren't you making the tea this is Japan she literally said to me Grace will make the tea this is Japan um, do you yeah yeah well to, to to me and my husband who were in the room we were the only people in the room um and 
And I'll be, you know, the thing is, I don't want to upset people. She's an old woman. Like, that's not fair for me to be like, excuse me, that's not my role. Like, I just, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser. I like to keep people happy. And I like, I don't want to create rifts. You know, I want to make sure we have a good family connection because I've seen when families go bad. But there is a sort of like, so I talked to my therapist about this. I had therapy for a while last year. Um, I think everyone should have therapy. Therapy is amazing. Like, um, so I, I've actually finished now, um, but I went for about once a week for about a year. Um, yeah, it's so fantastic. It helps me be more compassionate towards people because I'm <laughs> relatively short tempered. I'd like to say I'm a little bit more. Well, in my, in my mind, I'm like, oh my god, shut up, bitch. Not to you, but like to other people. <laughs> like, like, but it has, you know, and then what is, what comes out of my mouth is just me being like, oh, okay, that's cool, that's right. Me being like such um hypocritical for what's going on in my mind but now I do actually think okay well maybe that person's coming from this point of view and that's not what they mean they haven't meant to offend me they're just thinking this that or the other so rather than taking offense of what people say to me uh, and just accepting it saying like oh I'm sorry did you mean this like confirming with them and trying to think compassionately that that's what they're where they're coming from (laughs) anyway um yeah, having a therapy is definitely yeah. a good experience for you, and that Absolutely. was really good to hear. It's it's another topic, but I just want to mention yes. that it's hard to find a good fitting uh, medical or wellness caring. How can I name them? Like therapy or just mm-hmm. care, care caring, compassionate, professional person. Yeah especially in Japan I feel and yeah. especially for I'm not sure whether you do that session in English or Japanese a bit of both uh, so I had um, an English speaking via Skype um, and I sort of chose her specifically because she had worked with actors before and um, as a, I've trained as a professional actor and she like she knows how actors put on fronts in situations and um, because I've had doctors previously, sort of depression is something I've struggled with for quite a long time in my life. Um, doctors say to me, but you look fine. Like, you're, you're coming in here, you're smiling. And, I, and they're like, especially during university time, that was a really bad time for me. Um, I remember the doctor saying like, well, what are you studying? And I said, acting. And she's like, oh, so that's why you're coming in smiling, but trying to get depression medication. <laughs> like... I needed to get a therapist who understood that when I was putting on a front and when like acting and when I was being my true self and how to try to get my true self out more rather than putting on a front all the time. Um, So, yeah. So, yeah, I found her online. She's she's really great. Um, I'm always happy to talk about mental health. It's so important. I think people don't realize how many people are struggling or how many people need help and don't go and get it. Like it's not, don't be ashamed of getting help. If you need to take that step and just go to the doctor and say like, look, things are hard for me, do it because you'll feel so much better on the other side. And sometimes you feel like 
I don't deserve to feel better. Like that's how bad depression is because it makes you feel like you don't even deserve to be happy or better. But you do. Everyone deserves to get better. Yeah, honestly, like I think it's so... We really need to like break down these stigmas, especially mental health in Japan is flipping awful. Um, It's not talked about. It's not addressed. And I think so many people are suffering and just nothing is being done or they feel they can't do anything. So just you have to just take that step forward for yourself doesn't matter what society says about it like you're only going to be you you can never be anybody else so you might as well try and enjoy this tiny slice of life that you have like make it worth living just yeah As you just mentioned, it's so hidden. How do you say? Mm-hmm. Like we already, like everyone knows that it's a common thing. Like yeah, I I can't say the exact exact number now, but like it's so common. You know, mm. you definitely have someone or yourself has yeah. struggled before, but it's still a huge stigma. Absolutely. Feel to talk about it or even admit yeah I, th- I think a lot of people don't want to I'm like, very open about it but I've got friends who like have suffered for years and and they won't even tell their partner like they'll tell a close friend but they're like too embarrassed about it or feel shameful about it to like tell people around them who you know I think it's important to tell the people around you as well because they need to know how to support you like they need to know what what's happening here like that whatever you're doing is not normal behavior and you know and your workplace as well like because this was happening like my particularly bad like yeah and I I couldn't really talk about how bad my mental health was with my job so I was working directly for the board of education I had sort of managers and people that I could talk to but I felt like I couldn't take any time off I and like I know because my therapist t- kept telling me and my doctor here in Japan so I was taking medication from my doctor here in Japan and I was getting my therapy from a British lady so I had sort of all the all the good stuff and um you know both my doctor and my therapist were saying like so you need to take some time off work and my doctor was like I'll sign this thing so you can have the time off work you need to not go into work because we're in work was where this sort of like bad situation happened um so work was like a place of real like sort of fear for me for a while um and you think like yeah I was working at a school but it was a place of fear which is quite sad really I'm absolutely fine now but um you know and they and I was like you know this is Japanese system I a I can't feel I can talk to someone about it here's going back to what we were saying earlier and b am I gonna have a job to go back to if I take that time off or are they going to decide that I'm a liability with mental health issues who can't work consistently? And you know, you have so many things to worry about already, about visas, what's going to happen if I lose yes. the job here, or yeah, what's going to happen financially, am I eligible to apply for any insurance or any support? You know, they're not going to pay me for this time off because I kept, you know, I was like, sort of talking to my doctor and I'm like yeah but I'm not going to get paid for that time off and like it's unfair to ask my husband to support me 
um, you know, he needs rent money. We pay things equally and like, you know, what kind of, it's going to add more stress not being at work, but I need the time off work. It was this horrible balance of like, I don't know what I can do. Um, yeah, and sort of it worked out so perfectly because I was about eight months into my therapy by this point. And then my husband got a job in Yokohama. And so I had four months off work until I started my new job anyway. So because we finished that in January, I was, I was so happy signing my like, I'm quitting form. So I got my four months off work before I started looking for a new job. And it was so refreshing and it was just absolutely everything I needed. I was incredibly lucky to be able to like, it was just pure chance that I got my time off work. Otherwise we'd still be in probably working in the same job. I didn't know about all these things until now. So really th thank you for sharing, first of all. It's very powerful. I, I really believe that hearing the real story mm. makes some others be able to take actions they are not sure and they mm. don't feel confident to do. Yeah. And I think that's the part sort of where if you're struggling with depression, just going to a doctor and getting medication because I think a lot of people fear medication as well. Like it doesn't do anything. Like that's the thing about medication is it just brings you up from like, I can't get out of bed in the morning to like, I can eat breakfast today. Like is just boosting. It's just, it's not going to make you like, woohoo, I'm happy. That's not what it does at all. And I think there's a lot of people don't understand that. So if you get that medication, that will give you the confidence to take that next step to take that break off work or talk to someone about some past trauma. Um, we've all got trauma. We've all got things in our past and you do need to face them. It's horrible. And you have to sit with that horrible feeling. And this is the sort of thing my therapist said to me, like, you will have to sit with some horrible feelings when you face your past trauma. You're going to have to, but you can't get over it unless you talk about it, unless you face it. It's just going to eat you till you die, basically. <laughs> so, you know, I think even like for regular people who aren't suffering with me any mental health issues, like if anyone's listening, just you've got that past trauma, that past thing that keeps coming up in the back. You, you've got to talk about it. Talk, talk about it with somebody you trust. Um, talk about it with someone who understands, not someone who's going to make a joke about it, just someone who's going to say, thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing your story and being compassionate about it, exactly as you are. Like, that's why I feel comfortable doing it because you're compassionate enough to understand. And yeah, I'm very open about things anyway. So. Um, so the UK, we are very very lucky potatoes in the uk because we get everything free um so so when i was university that was the first time i sort of ended up on medication but like a series of things happened there as well like i've had shit happen to me that's you know um and so i was able to get counseling through my university which was very lucky um and then medication through a local doctor and it was all free and, you know, I'm a university student. I'm not earning money. I didn't have a part-time job or anything at that point. So 
and it was all free. And then when I finished university, I wanted to continue sort of like some counseling. So I was taking CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so yeah, I got my medication and got all that free on the NHS. Um, and then in Japan, so the thing in Japan is I have, everyone has insurance. You have to pay for your insurance or whatever. Um, most common insurance, which is provided by work, well, which is provided by the government through work. So yeah. people only pay 30% of the total cost. That's yeah. a standard case, which doesn't apply for some some cases such as yeah. maternal care, but that's another topic. Yeah. But yeah, this one was covered in the 30%. But I always find it weird. You have like almost like a sign-up fee for the doctors, like that one-off fee that you pay for your first session that I had with my mental health doctor. Um, that was sort of the cost of the medication, which was just coming from a country where medication is like zero yen to like 10 pounds, I think. You can, I think some medications are about 10 pounds in the UK. So you do have to pay for some medications, but it completely depends on the situation. Um, and to go from that just being like 5,000 yen to 10,000 yen per month for my mental health medication, you know, that's, that's a considerable chunk of money. Um, like, you know, especially if I decided to take that time off work, that with that cost added on top. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And as the sort of thing where you... Well, you need the medication, but and there's not very much choice on medication because I think in Japan you can oh would you like a generic version, and it will be like half the price of whatever the other option is. There's no other option. There's no generic mm. mental health medication, so you got to get that like Citalopram, that Lexapro, that Prozac, whatever is, you know, the big name. Um, so unfortunately, that's sort of what you have to go for, and he. This was back in Osaka. He was a really sweet doctor and he sort of talked about some problems. And he really did try to find me a counsellor in Japan. Um, but he's like, I just can't find anyone that's got any English available. Um, he's like, there is one in Tokyo. Exactly. He's like, well, there's one in Tokyo, but I don't know if they do online or anything. And it turns out they didn't at the time. They do now because Corona has made everything online. But at the time they didn't. Um, so I was in this kind of like, right, I've got to take this into my own hands and find my own therapist. So, and then that was another like good chunk of money <laughs> um, for my therapy as well. So I won't talk about how much that was because I used my savings to pay for that one. <laughs> but it was a bit more expensive, but alas... It really did help, so I don't regret spending the money. I think any money you spend on your mental health is never wasted money. Even though you feel like, ugh, I spent £50 just for my pills. And then I spend another £10 for the doctor. <laughs> like, how, how was your transition from the uh, UK? So probably my understanding is you have been taking some kind of medication in the UK. And then you moved to Japan later ah, so in life. Before I moved to Japan, I wasn't on any medication because I was all right. <laughs> um, so this is only a relatively recent thing. Um, about like two, three years ago now, I had to start on medication in Japan, but um, only really took medication 
in the UK probably for about four years through my university life and another year after that and then I was fine for a year or so <laughs> and then sort of back on medication relatively recently and not on medication at all anymore so I'm, I'm very much you, all right did you get to choose which one you want at the doctor in I think he has a choice but he didn't give me a choice <laughs> or maybe it was just something I didn't really think about I was just like oh just give me something like I sort of trusted him to choose what was best but my so I discussed with others for uh, having access to doctors good doctors who speaks non-Japanese language it's so hard even in Tokyo and yeah for the mental health issues mm -hmm. that's for another level of good doc finding good doctor i think it's yeah. not just for non well you speak japanese but non japanese speaking uh, yeah exactly and there's a lot of people who don't speak japanese especially in like tokyo or like more metropolitan areas I want to talk about contraceptive uh, situations, the difference between the UK and Japan, because uh, recently I've been following the field called Femtech, which is explained in the website briefly as well. Yeah. And lots, so I've been listening to lots of podcasts, which is coming from the UK and the US, and they are so amazing, so many amazing services and products and I'm starting to change my mind on living in the UK since last yeah. week. Like, maybe oh. it's not that bad. Well, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's another story. But uh, so the reason why I was interested in talking the contraceptive methods with you is there's this one company. Exactly. Okay. Uh, it's called the Lowdown. <laughs> Uh, what they do is so basically they're trying to give this platform which is like a trip advisor for the pill and they say the pill but it includes all sorts of contraceptive uh, like, um, methods the... like rings implants Implant. yeah so I when I first encountered this product through Instagram or podcasts I listen to, I think I'm like, why, what? I want this, and I want this <laughs> in Japan. There are so many things which is available that you can't get access to if you are geographically located in Japan, and that's so frustrating. So but I find yeah, it interesting that the pill is just really not taken in Japan. Like I, I rarely hear of girls who are on the pill or. Yeah, what? Why is that? How many percentage of women take the contraceptive pill? Is can you guess first? Or maybe you I, already read it. Okay. I think it's about two percent or something like really ridiculously. Low. <laughs> Four point two percent. Oh, I, I would say two percent. So that it's not too far, I guess. And yeah, that is the reason. There is a full history behind it. It took 44 years to get approved, first of all. Um, Didn't Viagra take like six months or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, 
when it comes okay. to men, let's speed it up. Speed it up. Women, it's a, we don't think so. <laughs> I can't even know where to start, but uh, yeah, anyways, so that's the regulations and the history. Mm-hmm. And in, so it's approved in the 90s, and I'm the 90s baby. So my parents' generations or above, I think not many of them have experienced taking them themselves. So contraceptive method or the pill itself as a, as a treatment for PMS or PMDD is not commonly understood. That's my mm. assumption. With, with me in the UK, I started taking the pill about 16 because I had very, very heavy, painful periods. Um, for and, free. For free. Yeah, it's completely free. I've got a British passport, so I am allowed to use the NHS. Um, so I, I can get medication there if I really, really need to. Like, um, I'm eligible to get vaccinated there which is great, which I might go and do in the summertime. <laughs> Hop off, get a vaccination, come back to Japan. Um, I'm about well, I'm genuinely thinking about it at this stage. Yeah. It's, it's such a slow rollout here. And I think, you know, if we're thinking about the contraceptive pill and we're thinking about the vaccine, both, both of those, anything you put in your body in Japan has a really, really like strong negative connotation to it or a worry about it um so whether you're putting you know taking the pill or whether you're having a vaccine there's a lot of testing that goes on in japan that doesn't necessarily go on in other countries um because there's a lot of public fear i think i don't know i'll I'll put it down to fear but mm. yeah i think it seems to be public fear or, or public skepticism Maybe. How did you come to use the pill you started using? Um, so I went to the doctor and sort of explained my symptoms and she was like, oh, well, we'll just put you on the pill. <laughs> it was just a very, very like casual, like, yeah, this one, it's not a heavy hormonal one, we'll just put you on the pill. Um, but when I was 16, there were, like things like implants and that kind of thing weren't as popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like... That is relatively new. It's relatively new, yeah. And because I was only 16 at the time, she was like, I'd rather have you on something you can immediately stop taking if you don't get on with it, rather than something that's, um, you know, implanted in you and we have to, like, take it out again and or any sort of surgery thing. Women need that support and that help. And even, like, after they've had babies, like the amount of support and help is so low in Japan. And it's all on the women. Like, it's this very much, like, it's a w- women's responsibility to look after the baby here and man goes to work. And and I just, I've had a, got a friend um, and she was just having trouble doing anything because she was sent her husband to do it because her husband, they're both Americans. And they were like, no, we need the mother to be here. And she's like, I'm at work. Like, she's, like, a very modern working woman. And she was like, no, I'm at work, I can't do it. I've sent my husband and the baby to do it. Like, sign these forms. And they're like, no, we need the mother to be here. And 
It's like, well, this whole system is in place yeah. for women to take the brunt of that. Maybe I'm not sure whether you see this word or not, but let's let's get the woman's labor force more kind of propaganda I see. Mm. But this, the social structure hasn't been disrupted enough no, to actually not. support women to choose to do that. So yeah. Yeah. so you know this uh, womenomics that Abe tried to sort of push in and was like, we need more women in the workforce. Okay, well, those women can only get part-time jobs because there's no childcare for them. There's no one to look after these children. There's not enough, you know, childcare going on. And there's no, you know, they they still have to fulfill this role in the home. Who's going to take this role? Who's going to do this for them and they get a job? Like, there's no support for women here. I think rather than like forcing the women into, because I absolutely think if you want to be a housewife, be a housewife. That's fantastic. You do that. If you want to have a job, you have a job. But if you don't have the choice to do any of these, that's not a life. Exactly. We need to be finding like helpful solutions to support women in what they want to do rather than forcing them into these roles that make them miserable. And it's the same with men because it affects men as well. Like there are so many men that who just, especially when I was working at elementary school, a lot of these male teachers, you could see they loved being around children. And you know that they would just be the best house husband and that would probably make them so happy to be a house husband. Um, like the way they talk about their children and how they just wish they could spend more time with their children. You just like know that being a house husband would be so much better for them than working and the wife staying at home. And probably maybe she would love to be working. But... Without the support in place, there's no room to change. I, I think the, the general perception on European countries, which includes UK at this point, is um, more advanced. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> more, uh, more advanced. That's how mm. the people in Japan is. Uh, thinks of and there was lots of like women's rights movement in the past in the UK or elsewhere in Europe and they from my point of view they fought for it they got it they achieved it together and men and women achieved it together for making their lives better yeah and do you see any like similarity towards that trend in Japan or uh, difference? I think the difference, it's a big difference for me because people are not as willing to stand up for change. Mm -hmm. People might like sign a petition, Mm -hmm. but they don't force things in the way that Western people do. I think it's a very cultural thing to be a little bit more like, oh, that's ah, just got the ganai, like it can't be helped, or like that's the way things are, and just be like, oh well, we can't do anything. But I think in the UK, um, European or Western countries, we sort of believe we can change things, things can be done. We need to keep going and going and push and push and push, because that's the only thing that's get only way things get changed is the push and push and push. But Japanese people are not pushers; that they're not like 
And I do see quite a lot on Instagram, like many people are trying to make these, you know, pushes. And, and you know, when that Me Too movement, there was, there was a little bit of momentum behind it in Japan. There was a little bit of push. There was a little bit of... Uh, but all that really managed to happen was like high heels are, don't have to be worn in the workplace anymore. It's, there's a bajillion horrible atrocities happening all over the world. But you have to sometimes... Um, but I think it's so important that you also try and readdress balance in your own home country. And even if it seems like a small thing, like okay, those countries, they have a really long way to go um, before any equality is built. But we're much further ahead. Our problems may be smaller, but any small change is really going to help. And if it's anything that can help someone's life, even in a small way, it's just so important. If, I mean, if you look at like the LGBT, and we've got big problems with that here in Japan at the moment with... Um, government saying some incredibly offensive things but if we don't move for small things you know things will never change things will never get better and i'm not saying that there will be some utopia at the end of this because there won't there's no such thing but we need to make changes and make things better in any small way that we can do you think you can I mean, you, you as in the people who are like-minded like you can come together and change Japan or are you willing to do so? Because I had this discussion uh, yesterday as well and uh, my partner as well, he, like, they want the change but they don't feel right to do, to be the initiative. It is not my place to be an initiative. I, I am a foreigner in a relatively homogenous country. Um, it's not my place. Um, even if I feel really strongly about it, there's going to be a lot of, there would be a lot of backlash of like, oh, these white people, these Western European people coming into our country, thinking they can change our culture, thinking it's better like theirs. Ours is fine as it is. That is always the biggest retort. Um, that's the biggest backlash you always seem to get is like, no, we don't want these western ideals in our country asian asia is fine as it is japan is fine as it is um but people are suffering but japanese people don't speak up for it they're not speaking up for themselves, themselves. and i feel if i speak up that's also wrong because this is not my home i mean it's my home i live here I, like i'm married to a japanese man like i i'm not japanese though i will never be Japanese. I will never be respected on the same level as a Japanese person is. Do you think that feeling is shared amongst other... Absolutely. I, I, it's shared by people who have lived in Japan all of their lives but don't look like Japanese people. Um, sadly, if you, if you don't look Japanese, you will never be Japanese. Like It's not like I'm trying to be Japanese. Like, I want to be a Japanese person. Like, I, you know, I am Japanese. Like, no, no, I'm not. I, I'm not. But I know a lot of sort of um, friends who've lived here, like for most of their life, they are fluent in Japanese. They just happen to be black or white or 
Filipino is a really big one or Chinese or Vietnamese, like other Asian countries is the biggest like foreigner sphere. Um, and yet they're not Japanese. And, and, it, and they don't have that power. Um, it's a power, it's a power thing. That must be so frustrating and I see that that's so... Such mottainai for everything, really. <laughs> There's so much power, so many talented people who, yeah, who could be themselves, who could shine as they are. Mm. But some, some forced view which they can't control forces them to be in the way they are not comfortable to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also an element of, well, I chose to live in this country, so that's my that's on me, really. <laughs> um, you know that. So yeah. In an ideal society, like you know, everyone would be equal and we would all love each other, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, sadly, that is the reality, and I do have to accept that reality. But I know for a lot of people who are. Japanese nationals who just don't look Japanese. Um, that's an even worse reality for them. Yeah, sharing is so important. Like, share your thoughts, share your feelings. Um, other people might not agree with you, but you've got to respect what, what they say. That's a point, yeah. That's what I'm trying to learn through what I'm doing now as well. So I see lots of ideas which clashes with my belief. But if I can't have the honest dialogue with these people, maybe I can't really get the whole picture and I, maybe I'm wrong or maybe I can change my mind to adjust a bit. So, yeah. So I feel that oft way often with my husband, like he's Japanese. And he has beliefs that I didn't realise he had sometimes, you know, just because they're what's been put into him from childhood and the beliefs that have been put into me from childhood are very different. And I just have to think, okay, that's how he was raised. That's that's not an attack on you. That's not like him disagreeing with you. It's just how that's how he feels and we can discuss it and try to come to a different conclusion. But if that's still how he feels, well, that's how he feels. Like... I think therapy helps a lot with that as well. <laughs> yeah. Even though time to time, both of you would feel frustrated, but yeah, yeah, I think at the end that. that's the best, best, that's the ideal healthy relationship with anyone, I think. Absolutely. And sometimes he's just wrong. Just, he's just wrong. And he just needs to be told he's wrong. And sometimes I'm wrong and I need to be told I'm wrong. And it's not a discussion, it's just like that fact is wrong. <laughs> but yeah, if we can just understand each other. Important point, sadly, because of the age of information, fake news, mm. it has to be told that I'm wrong sometimes by somebody, yeah. by believing something which was not true or like fake news. Of course, the, the big question, like, what can we do? Because you, you asked me as a Western person, like, what can I do? And I was like, well, not a lot. But you are a Japanese person, so what can you do? Mm -hmm. I am hoping, 
advance. The first step is to get people, get more people, have this ability to question what the norm is, what is defined as normal or the status quo we have since we were born or since we are consciously thinking about the world. Mm-hmm. Because uh, especially compared with other, some other countries like Europe, people living in Japan, located mm. in Japan, uh, less likely to have that view or mm-hmm. doubting something or questioning. And I hope there's going to be more people questioning and then thinking from the zero ground, like, mm-hmm. okay, there's this problem or there's this issue, how can we solve? It doesn't have to be bounded by what is already designed to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure whether that answers to your big question. Not exactly, but like, I, I really get what you're trying to say there. Like, and it's such a fundamental. Conceptual. Yeah, it's a sort of. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> to do that. So that's the goal, right? Yeah. That's the first step, first goal. But to do that, I am. So part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast to have someone's someone different from me I mean, everyone's different but someone who is represented by the society in Japan to to talk and speak up their opinions their their views of the world so that's gonna I hope make more people think, ah, there's this way of thinking, ah, oh, actually, yeah, I've never thought about that, but, you know, I can relate. And... I think that a lot of the thing is people, so a lot of people have never thought about it in a different way to themselves, or they've never seen that other opinion. So I think I agree, it's really important to, like, show that. And even if you don't agree, like, I'm sure there's people who don't agree with half the things I've said, that's fine. Um, but, you know, it, as long as they're opening their minds... And hearing those things and being like, oh, I never considered it could be this way. Or I never considered that that might hurt someone's feelings or that that thing might. Yeah, that's, that's important, important stuff for sure. And then I know that this is going to benefit me personally as well. I mean, I want to. <laughs> I want to stop. Kind of not I want to. I wish I could still be blinded, but. I came to the point that, okay, I can't expect the society to change mirac- miraculously. Of <laughs> I have to do something about it, or I have to feel like I have, I'm doing something about it. Otherwise, when I, when I age more, mm. I would definitely regret. Yeah. That's how I feel now. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think, for me especially, I feel exactly the same way. There's a feeling of helplessness. Um, when when you feel like you can't do much and you're like, I'm just one tiny person in a huge ocean of, ah, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, so, you know, if we're able to do something, even if it's small, and especially if you look at things like um, India 
and their horrible corona situation at the moment, if people hadn't shared, if people hadn't raised their voices, then we wouldn't have been able to raise money and we wouldn't have been able to send support out there. And, you know, even if it wasn't a lot of help that social media could produce, any tiny amount of help is help. Like any tiny difference is a difference. And, you know, we got to do something. Yeah, so you, you earlier mentioned that the gender equality ranking of Japan is so, so, so bad. But because that's so bad, by doing little something means a lot, if yeah. you see what I mean. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're from the UK, we're, like, number 15 or something. Yeah. Yeah, so if, like, you know, the UK, we're number 15 or whatever. Like, I don't know, we're in the top 20, I think. Maybe not. I don't know, I haven't really looked at where we are. A little bit afraid. Um, you know, doing something is not going to do much at all because we're quite high ranked already. But in Japan, because there's such a long way to go. Like, we've got to, you know. And because it's so low, people will open their eyes and be aware of the situation. Um, I think if it was ranking higher and being like, yeah, but education's very good. Yeah, but this is very good. Yeah, but this is very good. And the rank was higher. People wouldn't realize what the situation is actually like. I think it's quite an honest um, survey, which I think is good, but also it's embarrassing. Because, um, you know, people, my friends back home, they're like, wow, Japan is really bad. And I'm like, I know, and like that's. But <laughs> as well, uh, yeah, part of the reason why I'm doing this in like um, English and Japanese way and towards English more is that I want to expose the current real situation, kind of seeking for the help from outside mm. force as well. Yes. Because well, it's hard to describe it. It goes back to the beginning of what we talked about, but it's so hard to explain and get get the content understood because it's so medieval mm. <laughs> some, some something i mean people do say in the uk like it seems japan is like the 1950s and i'm like god the 1950s that was like 60 70 years ago now like that's almost you know that's almost 100 years ago that's not woo society has moved on <laughs> That's a good question. I think, you know, my mum, my parents have always been, if you're happy, we're happy. Do whatever you want to do, live wherever you want to live. Um, and this sort of comes up a lot when I complain about anything in Japan. It's like, well, why don't you just go back to your home country then? If you hate Japan so much, why don't you go home? I don't hate Japan at all. Japan is the safest country in the world. I love living here. There's so many amazing things about living here. My husband is here for one of them. Um... And like I can walk down the street without being worried that someone's going to nick my purse. Um, and then I go back to the UK and the first thing I'm asked is like, you want to buy some drugs? And I'm like, no. I, I get a culture shock by how bad it is sometimes in the UK for other things. And my personal safety is always number one. So my mum is always like, I'm so happy that you live in Japan because I know your personal safety is much higher than it would be in the UK. And she's like, I know you're safe at night. I don't need to... You know, in the UK, you need to message someone like, I'm walking home now. 
um because you might not make it home even then there are some tragic mm. things could happen of course of course no country you know there are crazy people in every country who might murder you or whatever that's that's the world sadly but I, i'm so much more safe here yeah less likely yeah so these kinds of crimes absolutely and there are other programs to yeah. face yeah and you know I've, I've made a good choice in husband i like to think and he understands me and understands what my like core beliefs and goals in life are and he would never like force any like I, you know, conservative ideas or whatever on me. So I think my mum's very happy as long as she knows that I'm like, you know, I'm in a very happy relationship. I'm in a very safe country. She doesn't need to worry about me. But she, you know, that's, that's, my mum's a lovely lady. <laughs> I love my mama. <laughs> How about your parents? How do they feel about you being in, you know, a relationship with a British guy oh. and your opinions like, and things or like how they are so so how do they call it doesn't intervene doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. force their views on mm-hmm. anything at all we have so many arguments but they never force me to do something or be in certain way since i was young that's good that's very good the first time I introduced my partner to them was when he was visiting me in Japan, I guess. And for the first two days or something, he just came to my parents. <laughs> yeah, and that's how they met. But they, they, maybe they were feeling awkward, but like so casual, so borderline indifferent. would they say if you decided like oh i'm gonna move to the uk with him i think they are actually surprised that i'm still in japan oh really (laughs) (laughs) yeah because yeah sometimes we have the that kind of conversation like are you are you what's going on with you (laughs) <laughs> you happy? Yeah, well, what are you doing here? What are you doing? What are, you doing are you happy in Tokyo? That's good. But okay, that's a surprise kind oh. of vibe. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great. They seem sounds like they accept you as being their daughter. Who yeah, that's, I took it for granted as I grew up. But um, I feel I'm so grateful to have parents like mine to be me. I don't know. <laughs> it does not make sense. The other way around, maybe. They make me the way I am. Yeah. That's the thing about becoming an adult, is you realise, like, oh, I, I understand how my parents felt mm-hmm. now raising me, or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. wow, you meet so many people from mm-hmm. different backgrounds and things, you're like, oh, I am really lucky that I've mm-hmm. got supportive parents, and mm-hmm, I've got mm-hmm. this, that, and the other, and... That's you sort of realise, like, I'm sorry I was rude to you when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, so many occasions I can think of. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I find it really interesting because I think a lot of Japanese women, they don't really want to talk about 
things as well it might be taboo or uh, and maybe they're feeling them but they don't really want to to speak out but yeah for that topic so i was talking with my other uh other japanese grown-up person a person who grew up in japan and yeah we came to think that ah so we don't really talk about like contraceptive or any anything Mm. personal but once someone talks about it we were like ah i was waiting for someone to start this subject let me let me let me explain my situation and that 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 is very common to happen Mm. amongst our friends as well so yeah nobody probably wants to be the first one to speak up but once someone speaks up they feel comfortable to share i mean they they don't they don't maybe explicitly say what they are thinking or feeling but they are feeling something that's how i perceive yeah well i think that's amazing that you know people are feeling these things and they do have these feelings and they're not indifferent so great thank you so much that was so helpful and inspiring and empowering good in there you can i am so grateful that you have given me the opportunity to talk i'm I'm always good to talk i've got a thousand stories (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 yeah